Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. My name is Aaron Varner, and I have the great privilege of being the pastor here at West Hill. If you're new, we're so glad that you're here, glad that you've joined us. Today we start a new series, as the video just shared with you, entitled Elements. Talk about that in just a moment. Children, if you didn't dismiss, you can be dismissed for Children's Church. Poor little Leah, she was like, What did you say? I said, Have a good class. She's like, But all those other ones aren't going. I said, You just go and wave them on. So we're glad that you're here and we're thankful for our teachers, thankful for our our staff, thankful for each of you who continue to serve and to give of your time and energy. It's pretty remarkable. when you see a new child come into this earth, right? And it's even more remarkable when a mom has a baby on Friday and then comes and plays the piano on Sunday. That's, uh, that's Emmy. And so we're thankful for Emmy and for her husband, uh, Dr. Nathan. And, and uh, they welcomed into this world on Friday their little girl, Ezriel. They'll call her Esri, Esri L. Lou, on Friday, uh, September 17th. And I'm sure she's already got a lot of loving this morning. And uh, I'm sure there'll be more to be passed around. But we wanted to congratulate uh, you folks and to know that you're loved and we appreciate you. And uh, first of all, I have no idea what it means to be pregnant, let alone have a baby. And then let alone, like a couple of days later, play the piano. So that's pretty remarkable. So we just thank you. And uh, we're thankful for the Lord for good health for you too. And for Esri. And so we're thankful for that. In the 1860s, there was a a man, uh, a Russian chemist, who um, came up with something extraordinary. Uh, He came up with a chart, an order of chemical elements according to their atomic weight and their chemical properties. Um, Later, they would be numbered by their atomic number. Some of you have no idea what I just said, just like I had no idea when I was in chemistry class. I loved it. My chemistry teacher at Norton was a strong believer, and uh, he was also one of the football coaches, and we connected, and I loved that chemistry class. I love it later on in life when you're like, I don't think I was taught that. Or you realize, no, I was probably taught that. I just didn't pay attention. And so back in the 1860s, it's quite the story of Dmitry uh, Mendeleev and his dream that he had of all the elements in the table. And when he woke, he wrote all those down. And that's what we have today. Now, there have been some adjustment and changes. In 1871, three missing elements were unknown, um, but their masses and their properties were already predicted, and which is amazing. You didn't know these things were there, but there was a prediction that, okay, hey, we could, these things are out there. We just need to figure it out. It reminded me a little bit about the Bible, right? Sometimes uh, the Bible tells us information that we just didn't have or we didn't know or we can't see and yet it it is in some ways a chart it helps us um, it shows us what 
what the elements look like that should be in a follower of Jesus. And you know what we call those elements? Oftentimes we call them the fruit of the spirit. And so today begins a series that will go until November, um, till the end of November. And we're going to examine each one of these elements. And today is just the start where we want to lay the foundation. And uh, I want to uh, publicly just share my thanks for National Community Church. Mark Batterson is the church there. Um, they provide all the video you saw and a lot of the artwork for uh, churches that don't have that opportunity or smaller churches. They're a church that has seven different campuses. They're huge. They have uh, a huge staff. And so it's, I didn't steal their video. Okay, if you do a YouTube search, you're going to be like, oh, pastor, he stole this. I didn't even watch the sermons all right, of their, of, of their series that they did back, uh, I think it was about six or seven years ago, um, because I don't want to be accused of, uh, of what's that, plagiarism. Um, what you're going to hear from me, if it has any coincide with the sermons that uh, Mark Batterson and his staff shared, then praise be to God, then you probably should listen because it's truth that it's coming from the Bible and it's a couple people that have said it. This morning, I want to dig in. If you have your Bibles, if you would jump with me to the book of John, John chapter 15, you may say, well, wait a minute. I thought the fruits of the Spirit were in Galatians. Yes, and that's where we're going to go uh, from here on out. But this morning, we want to start in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus is sharing uh, a, a, a picture uh, with his disciples to encourage them. It's a picture to help them to see what life should look like and what a follower of Jesus should look like. And so in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, we'll read here, actually verses 1 through 11. It'll be up on the screen, and uh, if you want to follow along, that would be great. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word. Thank you for the worship that we've been able to enjoy, to declare your goodness, Lord, to sing of the joy that we have as we gather in the house of the Lord to know that you are a good, good father. And Lord, as we wait upon you, that your word 
shares with us and that you speak to us, guiding us, leading us, allowing us to depend and to trust in you because you desire a deeper walk with us. And Lord, we get that strength and that hope for each new day in Christ alone. Lord, thank you for this passage. And John, I pray that you would speak to us through it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in our minds and our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, convict us, help us to draw nearer to you because of our time here together in the word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Abiding in Christ. This is maybe a familiar passage for you. You've probably heard it. You may have heard it read before. You may have even seen or heard the analogy of the vine, the branches and the fruit and bearing fruit and Jesus uh, sharing this. What is interesting as we look at this fruit, I begin to, to think, okay, hey, maybe this is a New Testament thing. And we know, we see it in Galatians, uh, Jesus uses some parables about the vineyard as well um, and different examples as he's talking to his disciples, but also to the Pharisees and to the scribes. And I wondered, what about the Old Testament? And so I began looking and actually I found a passage in Isaiah. And so if you have your Bible again, if you would turn with me to Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5 helps us to see that this idea of uh, a vineyard or a vine is not something new. And uh, helps us not only understand this, but we're going to look at a passage after this and see the similarities from the book of Matthew as well. So we're here in Isaiah chapter 5. We're going to read the first seven verses Will you follow along with me, please? It says, let me sing for my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. So what we see here, this is a song. All right, The, the writer here, Isaiah, is going to write a song. Um, and he's going to sing a song and he's going to write it down. And so he's writing this for us to understand about a song concerning a vineyard. So it's going to tell us a story. So here it is. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stone, and he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard? That I have not done in it. When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. It, will, it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste and it shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Isaiah shares this as a judgment, all right, of a picture of what has happened in Israel. Israel 
God's chosen nation, his people that he had set aside and done numerous and wonderful great things. And as he looked upon in this, this story picture of a vineyard and the investment of time and energy of, of doing all that was needed, God did that for Israel. And then what came of their lives? What was the outpouring of, of their reaction or their response to God? Wild grapes. If you look up that word in Hebrew, it actually means worthless. They were worthless. What they did was nothing of note. Now, we see this song. Now, let's jump to the book of Matthew because we're going to see a parable here. In Matthew chapter 21, that Jesus shares... Uh, with the, the scribes and the Pharisees after his triumphal entry. So Jesus is now in Jerusalem, and he's speaking to the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the nation's um, um, religious leaders who were called to draw people to God. And Jesus shares this parable with them in Matthew 21, and we're going to look at verses 33 through 43. Matthew 11, verses 33 through 43. Jesus says this. Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Well, let's just pause for a second. Did you just, like, it's the same thing that we just read, right, in Isaiah? Wasn't it? Like, it's the same exact picture of the song that Isaiah wrote. Let's continue. They leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent another servants, uh, more than the first, and they did the same with them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Verse 41, they said to him, he will put those wretched, the wretches to miserable death. And let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And all they were, while they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they viewed him, held him as a prophet. Interesting, as we see this, we see the connection. And we see this connection that runs through the scriptures of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, the Jews, that God wanted to show and pour out his love and how he desired for them to be a nation that would display to all the other nations of the world how awesome 
creator God is and how when you place your trust in him, how he works and provides and is, is worthy of worship and to be magnified, to be placed at the center of each person's life. And that was the message that the Jewish nation was to, to just share with all the other nations of the world. And God gave them uh, boundaries. He gave them ways to show this and to demonstrate to the world who God was. But unfortunately, they didn't listen, did they? God sent one after another. He sent prophets. He sent judges. He even used kings to display and to share of his goodness. And yet, what did Israel continue to do? They rejected him. They rejected God. God sent his own son, Jesus, that, that maybe they would see that, that this God is real and desires that, that he would save his own people from their sin. And not just the Jewish nation, but all the world. And yet, Jesus is sharing this in a time where he knows his death is coming. He's right on the doorstep. And why is that? Because the Jews rejected who Jesus claimed he was, the Messiah, the one who would save God's people from their sin. And so that vineyard, we see here, Jesus says that vineyard would be given to new tenants and they would what? What would they do? They would bear much fruit. What an awesome picture, and I don't know if it's connected for you. Maybe it connected years ago, but for me, it hit me as I was studying this. It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're the new tenants. You and I, as Gentiles, have been given an opportunity to bear fruit. Let's jump back, if you would now, to our main passage in John, in John 15. And let's just talk a little bit about what does this mean to bear fruit? Our, our series in, is entitled Elements. And as we think of elements, elements are what, what is in, what makes up something. And in our lives as Christ followers, our lives should be made up of something. What, what is at the core of how we live? What is in the gut, in the midst of the most center part of who we are as Christ followers? I'm so thankful we don't have to guess at that. We don't have to try to wonder like, well, what, is, what, is, what does that really look like? No, actually we've been given a clear list of understanding of what does this look like as we walk each day the elements that should be displayed in our life. How do we get those elements is what we cover today. Because I think we have a faulty view sometimes of how we obtain fruit especially in our Western American mindset, we think the harder we work, the more we can achieve that. And I'm here to tell you today, that's not scriptural. The harder you work, probably will be the less fruit that you're going to show. So listen to the picture here as I read again for us 
How do we bear fruit? Jesus shares it and he tells us. Let's look at it again in John 15. I'll read just the first 11 verses again. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone abides not, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Some of you may say, well, why are you reading it again? I'm trying to get across my point. Number one, Scripture is, has the authority. It's not what I say. It's what Scripture tells us. This is what pierces into our very soul. This is the authority and has the power is God's word. And so I read it to you to show us that we may see that, that ultimately Jesus is the source of the elements that we need. And the elements that are found in those who follow Christ. Those elements only come through Jesus. And so what does he ask? What does he tell us? Well, fruit, and let me define fruit in this way, everything that is done in conformity to the will of Jesus. So if we're doing what Jesus desires, what the Father desires, the will of God, anything that we do is that fruit conforming not to what we want, but what he wants. It's not doing more. It's not doing less. Ultimately, what we see here is it's abiding in Christ. I don't know if you have it circled. I have it circled in my text um, because of a message that I heard years ago. And I'd encourage you to do this. Circle every time in this passage that it says, in me or abide in me. You should have eight times within our text here, eight times that Jesus emphasizes and reemphasizes and says it again and again, abide in me. Abide in me. I have a pretty cool watch um, that a friend of mine, he owns a running store, and um, he gave me a really good deal on it. Um, 
it tracks my heart rate, it tracks all my steps, it tracks probably a lot more that I don't even know. But it's really cool because like a few buttons and I get all kinds of information. I get to see how high I'm walking, the elevation, um, how much sleep I'm getting. The problem is with this watch, especially when I have it connected to my phone and it gives me, you know, text alerts and all those other th alerts that I probably don't need, but it does, um, is it runs out of battery. Like it goes dead after a little while. So this week I, uh, I realized, man, it's going dead and I'm getting ready to head to practice um, for cross country. And I realized, man, I, I need, I need this thing recharged. Thankfully, my daughter, who is very tech savvy, I went to her. I said, hey, do you have that uh, mobile charger thing? And she's like, oh, yeah, here. Just plug it, plug it right in, Dad, and just click it once to turn the power on and click it twice to turn it off. I'm like, okay. And so I plug it in, and it starts charging my, my watch. I'm like, this is really cool because I, was, I needed to go. I had to go to practice, and I couldn't sit there and wait for it to be charging, you know, into the electric socket um, because I had failed to do it the night before, but I needed my watch, but I could take it mobily. When we talk about abiding in Christ, we are so blessed to be able to do that. Not, it doesn't have to be here just at church that, oh, I, I'll come abide with, with Christ at church as we gather, and that will carry me through the week. I've always said, hey, if you come for a feast, one-time eating isn't going to supply you for the nourishment that you need for the rest of the week. We need that constant abiding in Christ, that plugging in where he can speak to us and show us and display in us things that we can't do by ourselves things that we could never do. Just like we have this really cool monster truck at our house too. The problem is you run it for half an hour and after half an hour, you know what happens? It dies. It won't go anymore. I think a lot of us live life as Christ followers trying to do it by ourselves and then we face this intersection where our batteries have run down and we're so exhausted and we're so tired. We're missing the need and missing the point of why we get together with Christ each day. I have preached and I have emphasized over and over and over to you. And I'll say it again this morning. Take 20 minutes of your day. And spend time with God each day. Open up his word. You say, well, I don't understand it. We have some great tools that are out in the foyer that will help you. They're just tools. They're not the word. Get in the word, though. Tools that will help you walk each day in a devotional. And spend time praying, talking to God, and listening to him. Abiding in Christ is how we are going to see the elements of what it means to be a Christ follower. Bearing fruit, as we saw in the text, not only does us well, and it not only helps other people see God, but in our text here, John tells us, he's recorded Jesus saying, when you bear fruit, you bring glory to God. 
when we bear fruit, we're doing the very thing that God put us here on this earth to do. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful to know, okay, hey, I don't know what God wants for me. How many times have you thought through that? Like, uh, I don't know what he wants next. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what. Let me sum it up. You're here on this earth to display the glory of God, to enjoy what he's given us. But our main goal is to share the glory of God, to bring him glory and allow others to see that glory. When we bear fruit, Jesus says, that's what it's all about. So my question to you as we conclude this morning is, um, how will you be intentional today and this week? How are you going to be intentional in abiding in Christ to depend on him? To continue to plug into him? Because if you just expect to bear the elements, to bear fruit this week apart from Christ, we won't be able to do that. I, I've, I've tried and I've failed. Anybody else done that before? Been there? Tried that? Why do we keep trying? Well, because I think maybe it'll be different the next time. Folks, we have the opportunity to abide in Christ. And as we walk this week, examine the fruit that you may be bearing. Is it sweet or is it bitter? Is it worthless? As Isaiah shared, here was the vineyard. Everything was done that was needed to produce great fruit and yet what was born worthless fruit bitter useless God doesn't want our useless works he wants to work in us so that we would produce because of abiding in him he would produce in us a great fruit harvest so this week, examine the fruit that you may be bearing. Are you connected to the true vine? Romans 11, 11 through 24, tell us about the great gift that God has given us. It feeds from the parable that we read in Matthew where we as Gentiles have now been grafted in. And Paul shares in Romans 11 about this olive tree and the branches that were cut off and we have been grafted in. And so in that, we have been given the opportunity to have a relationship in Christ. Maybe some of you have never been connected. And today you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. Let me encourage you, there is nothing better in all the world. God has placed you here today listening to this sermon and this opportunity. And I would encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus, that today would be the day that you would place your faith in him. Trusting that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again three days later. Conquering sin, conquering death, paying the full penalty that we deserve 
so that we can have an eternal relationship with God. It's claiming that gift for yourself. It's not by works of anything right that we could do. It's a gift given to us. I encourage you to accept that gift today. If you're a Christ follower, I want to ask you, what elements make up your life? And as we walk through week by week, looking at one element after another, remember this base sermon. Because we're going to talk about a lot of different, different expressions of fruit. The way God uses us and works through us. But may we not forget, it is not us doing more or trying harder. The fruit that we will bear, the elements that we're going to see out of our lives come from us spending time with God every day, abiding in him. And the more we abide, the greater the fruit. And he doesn't want us just to bear some fruit. I don't know about you, but how your week was, but mine was a little challenging. Mine was a little difficult. And there was a point where I just said, Lord, I, I don't, I, I've had enough. I'm tired of all this. And through a series of events and a series of different things that, that, that God used to minister to my mind and to my heart, it became very clear to me that God said, I want you to trust me more. I want you to go deeper with me. What he was doing is what Jesus says here. He was pruning me. Why? So I could just know more? No, because he says, Aaron, I want you to bear more fruit because that's going to give me more glory. So as we walk through this week, what elements make up your life? Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you that we have a source to be able to be plugged into. That we can find regular renewal when we come before your throne. A throne of grace, a throne of forgiveness, a throne of mercy. You oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. We humbly come before you, realizing that we are imperfect people, needing your grace, needing you more and more each day. We're thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us as Christ followers to be grafted in, to be able to even bear fruit. That's a gift. That's because of your grace that we could live a life that would bring you glory? How could we do that apart from you? We can't. And so as we walk through today and this week, and as we think about this series, as we move forward, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bear more and more fruit through us. Our lives are so short. We can become so distracted we can lose the point of why you've placed us here. This morning, may we take great encouragement and may your spirit give us great strength because you 
can give us the elements, the things that are needed as we walk this earth. Things that we need to help us, but things also that will show others who you are. And ultimately, may it be for your glory, Lord. Thank you for each one that's here, for the opportunity that we've had to spend time in your word. And I would pray this week, Lord, that you would help us to be plugged in, to abide in you, to spend time with you purposefully, pursuing, pursuing you and your word. And as you have different things laid out in store for our week already, Lord, may we trust you more. Through the difficult times, through the challenges, through the struggles, may we see it not as opposition to us, but opposition to our will. Because your will often is not what is best for us. May we see how much you love us and how much you are working in us and the situations around each of our lives for the purpose of bearing more fruit. For those who are not yet in the vine, Lord, I pray that today they would trust Jesus as their Savior, as the Lord of their life. May you continue to do great things through us. We need your help, Lord. Thank you for hearing us. We pray this in the name of Jesus.